celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Welcome, my friend. You have booked a, uh, another humdinger of a show. Today, you got to be as old as I am to know this guy. <laughs> if you remember the group Exile, and I guess, I don't know if they were a one-hit wonder but Kiss You All Over was a no, bit... they had a couple of hits. Yeah, did they, they have a couple, couple of hits? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Okay. And don't ask me what the other was, but... Kiss You All Over sounds... Well, that's the, the one, one I remember. mind, yes. Marlon Hargis, who was a part of Exile during that time where that was a hit, mm-hmm. will be joining us. He is still alive. He is still playing his music. Still touring. The band's still together. And he has a, a big affinity for the animals. I believe he has many himself, as well as he does a benefit concert. For the animals once a year. That's so awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's cool. So we'll uh, yap with him in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Over there in the newsroom, boy, you got, uh, who who all's in there? Oh, Gordy is over there. It's, you got Gordy. By the way, I don't know if you've seen that Gordy's video has blown up on Facebook this week. Uh, tremendous of him. What is he doing? Is he just like chewing on a, a blanket or a bed or something like that? Gordy will suck. That's what he's doing, Hal. Gordy sucks. Um, I love him to death, but he sucks on anything that is not anchored down. So uh, the other dogs in the house have to lay on, you know, pretty much thin foam or something that that Gordy can't suck on and carry off. And he and he also recycles. Oh, well, that's good. Some pictures of yeah, milk jugs, water bottles. You might have heard him. Yeah, he's oh, terrible. My. How funny. Well, don't, don't let your news copy get near his mouth. You might lose it. <laughs> if I wrote my news copy on a cardboard box, then it would be history. Oh, okay. Because he will shred a cardboard box in about five seconds. He's a pretty funny boy. He's um, He's been awful loud lately, and I'm not quite sure why. Hmm. He wants Gordy. to be on the air. Does he bark on command? I noticed I'm catless today. Yeah, you are catless. Parker, I don't have Parker doing his <laughs> on the microphone. What are you working on over there in the newsroom? Parker might not be here, but there is this cat in Japan. You know how black cats to us are considered unlucky. Yeah. Not to us animal lovers, but, you know, in general, superstitious thing. Sure. So what does that say about people who think this one cat is like the luckiest cat and brings good luck to people? See, I always thought black cats were kind of lucky. We just I love them. Yeah. 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 That's on the way with Lori Brooks. Uh, also, Doc Halligan's going to be here. She's going to answer the big question we've all been wondering. Canned versus kibble. Dry versus moist food for your animals. And what I love her. Okay. She has good stuff. I know the answer to this. We've had this. I'm not going to say. But okay. I, we, gonna... we've, we've had this, this conversation. I don't think it's black and white. <laughs> okay. What are you working on, Joey? Um, carcass odor. Um, carcass not that odor. I know, not that I know <laughs> a lot. Not that I know a lot about dead bodies. Okay, um, that some you know want to think, but um, when your pet rolls and some some carcass out there or something that's died and it stinks <laughs> and you only know what that smells like, well, we're going to teach you an easy way to get that out without having, without having to bathe the whole pet. Wow, wow! I'm sticking around for that too, because <laughs> I run into a lot of carcass odor. In, especially in my neighborhood. So this will be particularly helpful. Uh, live carcasses. Yeah. Is a carcass live? No, a carcass wouldn't be live. No, a car- carcass would be like dead. carcasses. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
What uh, and we're talking about other animals too. It's oh, we not, are. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's not like ex-husbands or anything. Oh, like that. okay. I got off on that. <laughs> okay, so there's a couple of ways you can ask your questions. You can also use the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and ask your questions directly from the app. Right now, we're going to Pat. How are you? Fine, thank you. Where are you calling from today? Taking my call. Yes, uh, I'm calling from Spring Hill, Florida. Oh, that sounds nice. Uh, that's uh, right down the road from Wiki Wachi. I know on Saturday you had a gentleman call in uh, from Wiki Wachi. You know I what? Just... We get a lot of calls from Wiki Wachi. I'm thinking there's a lot of animal lovers in Wiki Wachi. Oh, definitely. And Spring Hill. I just moved from uh, a big uh, apartment home uh, complex. And everyone has two dogs or at least one. And they are definitely dog lovers in Spring Hill. So what's going on? I have the whole team here for you. Yes. Uh, I have uh, uh, between a 10 and 11-year-old uh, dog, a male. And we're not positive whether he's a Labradoodle or a Wheaton. When I adopted him when he was one year old, I was told he was a purebred Wheaton, but he really does look like a Labradoodle. But <laughs> to the point, um, Jack, had, I was told six months ago that he was borderline diabetic, and now I'm, I'm fairly sure I can't go, afford to go back to the same vet. He's grossly uh, expensive for me, and... Uh, he, Jack is drinking water nonstop. He doesn't mm-hmm. just lick the water. He drinks the entire bowl at one time, and then he he has to do a major belch, and then he always has to eliminate it naturally. But then he's looking, you know, where's the next bowl of water? And it's just constant. He would need a caregiver once I get a job because that and he has very itchy skin. I'm fairly sure I'm looking at uh, flea dirt on his back because I Mm, haven't been able to have him groomed and his groomer gets $60 for a total groom. So you are suspicious that he is diabetic. So we need to get this kid to a veterinarian and and confirm that and to see about getting him onto some treatment. Um, Because for dogs, um, they're a little bit different. So we can't just say, oh, let's get him on a low-fat diet and whittle his middle and he'll be okay. We could put that diabetes at bay. That just doesn't work for dogs. They're not Mm -hmm. built that way. So dogs are truly insulin dependent. So if that is, in fact, what he has... He needs to get started on insulin therapy to bring those blood sugars down and to start utilizing glucose um, in the normal in the normal body processes. Otherwise, he'll proceed to a point of what we call diabetic ketoacidosis. And that's, that happens once the diabetic is untreated or poorly treated for a long period of time and we don't get those blood sugars in control. Right. Diabetic ketoacidosis is life threatening. So, you know, I know you, the finances are a concern, but you don't want to have him get in that position because that gets way more expensive and treacherous for him. Um, right. So, I would say that's going to be the first thing is to see about getting him somewhere and, and see if we can get exactly. into some insulin. He's very distended, and so mm. are his hopes. I've had different opinions from different neighbors that are dog lovers with multiple pets in their home. 
And some people tell me uh, that his rear end looks like he has tumors. They look mm. like two large grapefruits on his hips. And oh, that's been yeah. totally distended. Well, I mean, those are things that, you know, if, if if he was sitting in front of me, we could have a very frank conversation about that. Because there's some tumors that aren't really life-threatening that can get huge fatty tumors externally. But, you know, I think mm-hmm. that sidetracks us from the, the point that we have right now is, you know, we really have right. to make some firm decisions on his diabetes. It's not a cheap exactly. disease to treat. So, you know, well, I, I'm, well, I'm not definitely... Fifty dollars a vial for the insulin for our dog. Yeah, yeah. So dog insulin for a large breed dog. Yeah, you're going to go through that very quickly. And then when you also con- consider there's lab tests that have to be done. We don't just put a dog on insulin and say we'll see you in a year. Um, we have to get that blood sugar managed into a, a good, effective level. So that requires doing some follow up blood testing. Sometimes that could be every couple weeks um, for the first couple months until we can get that dose figured out and calculated right. So I. I always like to be very upfront that I would love diabetes to be an inexpensive disease so that everyone could treat it, but I don't like to mislead folks that, um, you know, for cats, some cat insulin can cost $100 a bottle. So, you know, when you really factor in what you can and can't afford, you, you, you may need to look at what other resources you can, you know, tap into. Um, but, but I do think that, uh, you know, making that decision on treatment is really going to be the first thing for you. And uh, also, uh, I have him on dry food. It's not the expensive uh, dog food. It's beneficial. So the the reality is right now, Pat, no matter what you're feeding him, his body is not utilizing that energy properly. So um, I'm not going to necessarily recommend any diet changes or anything until you actually get him to a veterinarian and we get him on some medical therapy. So a diabetic dogs, when they are running high blood sugars for long periods of time, um, they start to waste away. So the hair coat condition does deteriorate. We'll see a loss of body weight, and that can be good, healthy muscle that they'll lose, so not just fat. So, um, so yeah, I say diet plays a role in how we manage a diabetic, but we really need to see about getting him into some insulin. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you know, if, if finances and costs are a concern, you can check with some different local, um, uh, services you might have in your area with the, uh, the uh, Humane Societies. Um, I know there's a lot of resources online for folks that need help with their veterinary bills, um, especially with something that can get so costly as a diabetic. You know, and this is also something where I, I always like to say that, you know, being a little pushy and being your pet's advocate can get you a long way. So, um, you know, rather than, you know, walking into the vet office and saying, you know, can you find someone to help me cover the cost of the bills? This is where I'd get on the computer. I direct people to the ASPCA's um, national website, and you can go on there, and there's a lot of different resources. Some are regional, some are national. There's organizations like Red Rover, um, one's called the Pet Fund, and they require you to sign up and apply for grant money or for certain financial amounts, but you have to show um, that you're following through, that you know, you're seeing the veterinarian for these things. There's valid charges there, um, and show need of financial assistance. So there's some resources out there. You're going to have to do a little wiggling and, and finding those things on your own. Um, as far as the local things, I couldn't even guess what kind of local sort of resources you guys have there. Um, and I always have to check because they change regionally in our area from time to time as well. But I know that they are out there and you just kind of got to be pushy and look for them. Good luck with that, Pat. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. 
It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143-800-689-0143-800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And don't forget, you can ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And uh, we were just talking about how hard it is to find real estate for just to live, apartments. rentals. uh, Especially in the Los Angeles area that are pet friendly. Can you imagine Mm -hmm. having to try to find a place for your pet friendly business? Who do you go to? Are there people that can help you? And that yeah. there are actually people that can help you. And in fact, we have Lindsay Polachek joining us. For, she's from Inco Commercial uh, Real Estate. Hi, welcome to the show, Lindsay. Hmm. Lindsay has some hangups. Are you there now, Lindsay? I am. Well, hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. We thought you had a bigger name on another line, which is possible. You could have like a, like some kind of real estate mogul <laughs> on the phone or, or something like that. Your gig is finding real estate for animal businesses. Where are you? I'm in Long Beach. Okay, so you know how hard it is to find a place where you can bring your animals. But you're Absolutely. dealing with businesses, mostly like groomers and vets and pet hotels, right? You know, yeah, I do. I, I, I really have worked with a lot. I mean, even people who have... Um, you know, fish and horses. And I mean, we're talking specialty stores and, you know, and a lot of different, a lot of different areas. Now, usually a store is with, you know, like a little strip with a bunch of other stores. Is it hard to get a pet business in there? Is, do you get a lot of opposition from other businesses that don't want any animals on the property? Uh, on the dog training and definitely, um, and then, you know, as far as, like, medically zoned, there's a lot that goes into um, working with the city. Definitely that is a difficult thing. But different areas are very pet-friendly. And so finding those areas is what's important. And then finding the landlords are important. Sometimes a, a pet business owner is going to have to purchase a building in order to get, you know, something like dog training or, wow. or where an owner would not want the pet in there. Um, but as far as like, you know, dog superstores, food stores, uh, vets, those things are easier to find just because they're, they're not having a lot of animals that are barking or going to the bathroom on the premises. Mm. What's the strangest property request you've ever received? It was a pet psychologist. <laughs> yes, it was interesting. I've had a harder time getting dog trainers 
um, and dog walkers and people who are just kind of trying to expand. Those people are harder to find something for because they act, you know, they don't want to buy something quite yet. And that's when you really have to find the right owner that's willing to open themselves up. We're thinking about cities like Denver, where landlords, 96% of the landlords will accept animals. Yet Uh it's the same city that has banned pit bulls, by the way. (laughs) Go figure. Uh, Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. But in Los Angeles, there's been some talk about making it mandatory for landlords to accept pets. Have you heard about this conversation? Um, I haven't. Primarily, I've been working a lot in Orange County, and so I have not heard that, the different people that I've been working with. Uh, I just found somebody in Santa Monica that um, was looking for a pet hotel, and I have found that it is very difficult right now in order to get these things. Um, So I, I do hear what you're saying. I do not know or recall that conversation, so I do not I don't think it's fair to force a landlord into requiring or into accepting pets if if they've had previous problems. I you know I'm a pet lover and I've had troubles getting housing with my respective dogs and cats. But I think there's other ways of incentives to what, make that attractive. Like what other incentives? Well, I mean you can still attract people that um, are reliable pet owners um, by say requiring um, you know we will accept pets, but we want to see an annual veterinary visit. We want to see that your pet is current on parasite prevention and having those kind of things and requirements. Because if someone just has a dog, doesn't take care of them it doesn't take up to the vet they're not going to make sure that they're house trained mm. i mean it's a little bit that. more but you know I, I always hate you know big brother saying you know you sure. got to do something i hate that i think that's unfair to business at large but you kind of got to work on it in another direction Cats or small dogs that are really popular i mean you could really get creative you know local shelters could get involved in helping to have kind of pet fairs you know i'm sure veterinarians in the area can you know we have pet or we have apartments near us that like to share our business cards and vice versa so um we like that kind of relationship what's it like in vegas there is there a lot of pet friendly uh, accommodations there are. I mean, it's still not widespread as you would like to see, um, but there's a lot of people. You know, the, a lot of places will advertise, you know, we accept people, too, <laughs> instead of just, you know, we accept pets. They'll say, we accept people, too, or people with your pets. Um, so, but it is hard if you have multiple animals, you know, or several large dogs. That kind of thing is more difficult, I think, in general. Yeah. It's not so much the dogs, though. I mean, the cats can really destroy a place. And it's funny because landlords will turn away dogs before they turn away right. cats mm-hmm. and it, it's really you know if uh, if a cat urinates and it gets into the carpet it gets into the into the floor it's really becomes a very destructive incident for landlords so i can understand i've been a landlord i've had a house destroyed by animals i know what it's like but i also know it's so hard to find good a good place to live anymore we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com Lindsay Polachek thank you so much for joining us I appreciate it thank you so much for your time you're listening to Animal Radio call the dream team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android Alan Cable with today's goose story Lucy you got some flaming goose that's Bob he's got some geese that are named after sitcom characters and they just want to stay together I always loved I Love Lucy. Bob's afraid he might have to get rid of the geese. And said, you have 10 days to get rid of it. He lives in the town of Beloit, and there's an ordinance that prohibits his geese. It was a shock. Bob's also disabled, so he's medically allowed to have the geese. As therapy pets. I have to get up and let them out every day. Bob started a Change.org petition that already has a 1,000 signatures from all over the world. One of 
Well, the first long distance one was Alaska, and I was excited about that. But then it started coming in Australia, Germany, Japan, <laughs> just everywhere. Bob has to pay 200 bucks out of his own pocket to make a variance request, and there's no guarantee he'll get to keep his geese. Once something gets in your heart, and it's there, it's embedded in you, and they're embedded in me, and I'm embedded in them. This is Animal Radio, baby. A few weeks ago, after a long and glorious life, we lost our studio stunt dog to a neurological illness. And of course, that's hard. Anyone that loses a pet knows that their lives are way too short. This dog was very special to us, and we wanted to commemorate the dog, find some way to celebrate the dog for the rest of our lives. You got a tattoo this morning, right? I did, and it's awesome. I just love it, and it's so nice to look down. And I actually had cremains put into the ink. Oh, wow. So when I look down and I see a picture of her on my leg, she's with me. All the time. Yes. As you can see, I got one of these rings from Big Paw Cremains. I went online to bigpawcremains.com and selected a ring that we could put her ashes in. And we got the rings today. They are absolutely spectacular. You can actually see the ashes. It's not like it's mixed into the metal or anything that you just know it's there. You can actually see the ashes when you look at the ring. They're beautiful. And it's just so heartwarming to know that they're with us all the time. You know, we've cremated pets before and we have their cremains on a shelf, you know, in urns. But this is special. Now my, my dog goes with me everywhere I go. She will always be with me. These are beautiful rings. They're handcrafted in Colorado. And they make sure we have our beloved companion close wherever we go. I got an extra bonus. I got the paw necklace. And you can actually see in the pads of the paw, you can see her ashes in that. And I'm going to wear that. And that's going to keep it close to my heart. So if you're looking to celebrate the life of one of your furry companions that's passed, please consider bigpawcremains.com. Check out the great selection of rings and uh, necklaces and other jewelry and have the cremains always visible to you. Just like in this ring, I'll hold the ring up to the mic so you can see it. It's pretty nice. Bigpawcremains.com. Their customer service is excellent and you'll be so happy that you went over there. Bigpawcremains.com. Tanya Tucker on Animal Radio. Love those pets. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, there's a cat in Japan that has become a real popular tourist attraction there because of her distinctive eyebrows, which happen to resemble the Japanese character for the lucky number eight. Eight is a lucky number there. Hachi was born after the 2011 earthquake and tsunami that devastated Japan. And now this cat is celebrated, you know, as a sort of symbol of returning good fortune to the country. She lives as a shop cat just north of Tokyo. And her lucky eyebrows are a national sensation because she's said to bring good luck to people who see her with those two obvious black markings above her eyes. Uh, By the way, Hachi also means eight. In Japanese, customers of a business that leases pets are now demanding their cancellation of their accounts since the Oregon Department of Justice has opened an investigation into that company. Now, apparently, there have also been 10 other consumer complaints. This current investigation comes after accusations that the company unjustifiably euthanized three dogs. The company leases dogs for about $300 a month. Doesn't that sound crazy? One customer said... uh, 
it. I think he's right. He's begun to feel as if the company is really just pimping out dogs instead of letting them play as we do Gordy here in the newsroom. Well, we have known about, you know, human body language for a long time. You know what different positions mean in facial expressions, but what about horse body language? New research from the University of Sussex has confirmed for the very first time that, yes, horses can read facial expressions and they can tell if a person is showing anger or happiness. You see, this study looked at how 28 horses reacted to photographs of human facial expressions. Researchers say that when viewing pictures of angry human faces, Horses looked at those photos more with their left eye, and that's a behavior associated with perceiving negative stimuli. Also, the horses' heart rates increased as they showed more stress-related behaviors. So keep an eye on your pets, because this is consistent with other research that indicates many, many animals view negative stimuli with their left eye, which is because of the right brain's ability to process more threatening events. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And i just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. This is Animal Radio, baby. Hi, Julie. How are you? Well, I have a uh, silky terrier, sweet little guy, uh, seven years old, and he has developed a, like, a, he scratches and he chews and he's pulled out some of his hair. Some of his hair is like broken off and he's such a pretty little guy cuz he's got I keep his hair long. And oh, I Oh, the true silky look then, huh? Yeah. And I've I've gone over him, you know, with a flea comb. So I, you know, I'm always on top of any flea problem which he really doesn't seem to have. And his skin is not dry. He doesn't seem to have any dry skin at all. And I don't know what this scratching and chewing is. I mean, he's been okay. doing Are there certain now, areas on his body where he's chewing? Um, no, not really. Are you currently using a flea product? No, I'm not. Okay. It would definitely, even though you're not seeing them, I always like to make sure if we're in a flea environment and we have a pet that is um, scratching and having hair coat problems, indoors fleas can live just fine. So I want to make sure that we're on uh, more of a year-round protection, especially if we're having this kind of uh, scratching, itching thing, because one little flea bite can last weeks. And um, so even if we're not having a huge burden of fleas, we could have a lot of the itch. So um, that would be one thing I'd make sure we're, we're still very aggressive about that. I, I've used um, that like advantage and, you know, that stuff. And I just, I don't know, it bothers me because when you put that on him, I mean, one time, I mean, that took my nail polish off my nails. And I'm just yeah, wondering what yeah. it's doing to him. You know, if you're not comfortable using a topical product, there may be an alternative that, that um, is available to you. But beyond the fleas, you know, as far as itching in dogs, you know, we kind of always lump a whole category of skin problems that are allergies. And sometimes pets can really have allergies, and sometimes they have infections and other problems there. But I would say that this would really warrant um, looking into things a bit more. Um, you know, I can certainly recommend things like fatty acids um, or antihistamines 
things to help with some mild itching, but um, this really would warrant uh, you know a trip to your vet, make sure we don't have fleas, and then maybe talk about doing some sampling from our skin and see which direction we need to go because there's really a lot that we can do in, uh, in the dermatology world for dogs if it's something nutritional we need to go towards and go towards a fatty acid or a zinc supplement. You know, I would like to see you really um, maybe talk to your vet and see about using a hypoallergenic level of diet. Um, there's some great hydrolyzed protein diets that your vet can recommend. And for a pet that might have a food allergy, um, that can be a great uh, a great avenue to go. So I, I think we could do a lot more, but I would really want to see. I mean, I, I love talking to you, and I'm glad you're asking my advice, but I think you really need to start working with a veterinarian um, to work out some of these different things so that we can get you on the right track. And let's go to Carly. Hey, Carly, how are you doing? Great. How are you guys? Good. Where are you calling from today? Um, south of Atlanta, about 30 minutes. Oh, that was a pretty ding. Oh, delightful. I like that. So how can we help you? <laughs> um, I'm a veterinary technician student, and I've had a couple interviews. Um, I just wanted to know what catches Dr. Debbie's eye when she, she meets someone or works with somebody in her practice that makes her feel like, oh, this person is doing good and is meant to be here. I see. Great question, Carly. I like that. So, so, um, you are, are, are you just graduating from, uh, veterinary technician school or you've, you've been in, employed for a while and you're just looking for a new job? Um, I'm in school now. I okay. did do an externship for a veterinary assistant through Animal Behavior College. Okay. Um, okay. Right now I'm in school for veterinary technician, and I'm just looking for work. And I do these interviews, and they seem to go off great and without a hitch. And then they're like, no, we're, you're not what we're looking for right now. And I'm like, what? What am I doing wrong? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I can tell you what I generally like to look for. For me, um, the veterinary technician, the licensed veterinary technician, actually brings so much to the table um, to a busy veterinary practice. So in my office, I really use the licensed techs for the skills they can perform that non-licensed people cannot, and which means that helps to kind of bridge between what a doctor doesn't have to do and they can use their licensed technician to do. And we can go on and be doctors elsewhere. So for me, that kind of role is the big thing. If you can come into my practice and you already know how to draw blood, you can successfully hit a vein, put catheters in, you know how to perform those basic eye, ear tests, um, uh, use the microscope, those kind of things, then it's a seamless introduction into into the practice. So for me, that's what kind of hands-on skills do you have? Can you sell those skills? Um, do you need work on those? And if you do, um, I would want to hear about how you're going to meet those goals to improve and practice those skills. Um, but I think that's one of the best things. The hardest thing is to train somebody and to put that time in and to not really be sure if they've got what it takes. So um, if you're kind of coming out of school, you might sense you know, some folks having apprehension. So you know, if your skills aren't yet up to comfort zone for you, um, you can work on that, practice those things and get those up to snuff. And then depending in the office role where you might be used, front office, back office, or both, um, front office, you have to be great with people. So having an ability to communicate um, with clients, because there's always someone on the other side of that leash or pet carrier. So we have to be able to be good with people. So that's a big thing. Um, so I think those are the, the big things that I would certainly advise you to, to look at and uh, 
you know, maybe that'll help you with some some job hunting. Are you looking for small animal practices or a mixed animal? Or um, I had a lot of experience with horses when I was a kid. Um, more so mixed animal. I'd like to get into a large animal practice. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of them where I'm at. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. I would say those would be the things that I would really w- look at working on. And if you can't get your foot in the door somewhere, you know, um, even getting a volunteer position at a shelter, something where you can show that you've put some time in, because I think that always looks good if um, you know someone's been at a uh, facility where they're doing those skills um, for um, even a non-for-profit. That can be a very helpful, helpful thing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Debbie. Okay, well, best wishes with the job hunt in there, Carly. <laughs> and you guys do a great thing. Veterinary technicians um, are underappreciated, but they're a great asset to practice. So I'd like to thank them all out there. Thanks for your call, Carly. Fighting the good fight. And I think that's the first time that we've had that question. In the that's l- a great one. I love I love motivating people within the veterinary field, whether they're you know to be doctors or technicians or even someone helping with animal care. It's just it's a great field. I almost got into it, but I'm way too squeamish. <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Here at Animal Radio, we always have some studio cats on hand. It just makes everything run better. You know, you get a lot more work done when there's a cat on your keyboard or in front of your computer monitor. That's actually why we got another one of these Armor Cat cat trees. In fact, a couple of them for the studio cats. You know, there's a lot of trees out there, right? You could go online, do a Google search, and you'll, you'll see lots of trees. There's a big difference between the Armor Cat and what you might get somewhere else. Yes, and you know, you keep talking about cats. The one we have, it has like a little box at the bottom where you they can hide in, and then it's got like three upper shelves. Well, let me tell you, the bottom box, my dog loves it. And she pops her head up, and the cat's bop at her. It's kind of like whack-a-mole, but it's like, in this case, it's whack-a-pup. And the cats and dogs love it. No animals were harmed. You'll love their furniture at Armor Cat. Because it lasts a long time. In fact, the cat tree in the corner of the studio right now, we've had over 20 years. And believe me, our cats are destructive. They they use it. And so does the dog. It is well worth it to have a tree that lasts a long time that's made of durable materials and that can take the wrath of our studio cats and maybe your cats. It's strong, it's durable, it's reliable. And it looks good because I'm always wanting something that's going to look good in the space I put it in, whether it's my office or whether it's home. I want something that's going to look nice. All the cat trees and beds come with a six-month warranty. Now get ready to write down this web address. It's armorcat.com. It's spelled A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T dot com. And then when you get there and you find what you want, you can put in our promo code, a special promo code to get 15% off. It's real easy to remember, Animal Radio. So head on over to armorcat.com and give your cat the tree they deserve and get 15% off using the code Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of minutes. But first, let's visit with Doc Halligan from the Lucy Pet Foundation. She's going to answer a question that has been burning on my mind for a long time. (laughs) 
I think I know the answer to it. Uh, dry okay. versus canned food. Kibble versus canned moist food for your animals, of course, or yourself. But uh, That is the question. That is the question. <laughs> well, first, let's educate everybody on the difference, all right? There's three types of food. Canned food, which is anywhere between like 70 to 80% water. Then there's semi-moist food, which is like between 23 and 40% water. And dry food, which is 6 to 10% water. Okay, so the most calorically dense then is the one without the, the most water. So dry foods has the most calories, then semi-moist, then canned food is actually the least fattening because it's 80% water. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So I want to take a stab mm-hmm. at this here. I, I think, mm-hmm. and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think mm-hmm. that cats that especially male cats that eat dry food often have issues with their urinary tract? It's a great question. Okay. Not all cats. Um, Now, dry food is unnatural for a cat to eat in the wild, and they are obligate carnivores, unlike dogs. So some cats might have more health problems, including the urinary tract, eating only dry because they're not getting enough water in the wild cats would not be drinking a lot of water and so you see these cats on dry food and and they're drinking 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 because they need to get their water content from their diet Mm. which in the wild would be mice and things like that which are what 70 percent water so yes canned food is closer to what they would get in the wild so i never recommend feeding all dry for kitties I mean, they should at least be 50-50. Some cats, um, I recommend a canned diet only. Okay. I also noticed that with my cat that I feed canned food, uh, his teeth are a lot more dirty than cats that I fed dry food to. Well, you know, they've done studies to show that um, it depends on the diet, Hal, because, you know, if you've ever watched a cat, some of them don't even chew their kibble. I mean, they literally inhale it. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, But there are some diets that I would say probably lead more to dental disease than others, depending on vitamins, nutrients, how much sugar is in there. See, Ah. if there's a lot of sugar in that dry food, you're going to get or wet food too. you're going to get more buildup of the bacteria. So it really depends on the diet. There are diets that are made for pets to help clean their teeth by having enzymes baked in them. But I don't think you can say unequivocally that, you know, dry food keeps their teeth clean. That's kind of, that's not true. I have a neighbor who's trying to pinch pennies and they they figure they can, they have both a dog and a cat. And I, they figure they could just feed dog food or cat food. They don't have to go out and get separate foods. Is there a difference between dog food and cat food? Absolutely. You should never feed dog cat food and you should never feed cats dog food because the nutritional requirements are different for a cat. Cats are obligate carnivores, so they cannot eat a vegetarian diet and they have higher protein requirements. So dogs are like ours, a system which is omnivores. So that's why there's dog versus cat food. You you definitely don't want to mix those. So many questions, so little time. But yeah, one I know. more. We should should you free feed your animals, put it down a bowl for them just to go ahead willy nilly, or should you pick up the food 
and then just uh, bow to them every time they want to be fed or, or give them <laughs> put them on a schedule. schedule. What is the best? Well, way here's to do the that? thing: is in the wild, would they have access to food at Libum? You know, all the time. Yeah, in the wild. Okay, would they? Uh, would well, they? No, I'm probably asking not. You guys. Probably not. Well, if they no, can catch it, what would it? they have yeah. to do to get the food? They, they would have, have to. to they would have to exert some effort. So yeah. instinctually, when do you think is the time they decide to go exert that effort to eat? Isn't that like dawn and dusk? No, but think about it. What would make them go? I think I need to eat now. Just whenever they got hungry. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I wanted you to say. <laughs> That's when they eat in the wild. Do you ever see a fat animal in the wild? Never. No. Because they would be motivated to look for food because they're hungry, and that's it. Not because they're bored. They're not bored in the wild. So food is just for sustenance. That's why you don't see fat animals in the wild. You see fat animals in captivity because they're eating for unnatural reasons. Boredom. You've how you've probably trained your cats to beg because if you sure. feed them every oh, time no they doubt. meow, I wake up at three forty-five in the morning when they want to eat. No, yes, how that's terrible. You guys should not be on their schedule. They need to have <laughs> controlled feedings. They really should not be controlling when they're being fed. You control that, and it should be twice a day, about twelve hours apart. Wow. We. How many times do you feed yours, Hal? Every day? I don't want to talk about this. Seven or eight. Uh-oh. The exception is like an older cat. I have an older cat, 16. She has kidney disease. I feed her whenever I can get her to eat. You know what I'm saying? Okay, there you go. Doc Halligan, the Lucy Pet Foundation. Check it out at lucypetfoundation.org. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. And we're going to finish this conversation next week, young lady, okay? Great. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We caught up with Dr. John Howe, Certified Aquatic Veterinarian at the American Veterinary Medical Association Convention in Denver. Dr. Howe does surgery on fish. We take them out of the water, we put them in a bath that has the anesthetic in it, and we set them on a form so they're laying in the position we want them to, and we run a tube with water being pumped out of the anesthetic water into their mouth, flowing over the gills, so that keeps them anesthetized. There's more at avma.org. That's avma.org. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the ArmorCat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, ArmorCat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. ArmorCat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. You lucky dog, you. You've tuned in just in time. This hour, you're going to find out how to get that carcass smell out of your dog. Mm-hmm. Carcass? Carcass <laughs> odor, yes. That's Joey, uh, that's what he said. That's what he's doing. He's uh, he's preparing for that right now, and he prepares for his segment right here with a diet Pepsi and a few donuts. I think one cancels out the other, but he's that's what he said. It's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Got your attention, didn't it? Also on the way, Marlon Hargis. He is from the band Exile. Remember that big hit, Kiss You All Over? 
Can you can you just sing a little bit, Lori? You did so well. Just <laughs> I'm gonna kiss, kiss you, you all, all over. Yeah. Over and over again. There yes, you go. I like that. Yes. He'll be on in just a few minutes. He's doing a benefit concert for animals, and he also has a bunch of animals, too. So we're all very excited. All of Twitter about that right here. What are you working on over there in the newsroom? Okay, this is not happy. Uh-oh. Um, but, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, but you, we educate people, so that's part of this. Uh, gas chambers for pets still mm. in use. I can't in believe that. this mm. country. I know. Uh, in fact, we'll tell you the states that are, are still doing it. But we'll tell you um, some survivors of the gas chamber and how they're turning things around. Okay. But first, let's go to the phones for your calls. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And let's go to Steve. Hey, Steve, how are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Eberville, Pennsylvania. Eberville. Eberville? E-B-E-R, Eberville. Hmm, okay. New for me. I have the whole team here. What's going on? What's on your mind? Um, I wanted to pass on a little bit of information about a um, a puppy mill dog that I had adopted. Oh, you adopted a puppy mill? Did you know it was a puppy mill dog when you adopted it? Well, uh, it was a... Um, it was the, the it was a breeding uh, facility, and we were That's looking what... for a dog that was uh, you know an older dog. We wanted to adopt an older dog, and they were uh, advertising on the internet that they were giving away what they called retired dames. That's uh, a... so. So those the, are pretty much the the mothers that have mothers spent a that, life, yeah, that, producing and females is what they were, you know, okay. ones past breeding age, I guess. So um, we contacted them. We drove three quarters of the way across the state to pick up this dog, and they had a couple other ones that they would like to give away too. But I I was drawn to this one in particular, so um, we took the dog and. What, what, what I'm trying to impress on your listeners is that there are a lot of other issues. Um, a mill dog doesn't necessarily have to be abused by, like, starvation. The dog that we got was uh, spent her entire life in a cage. Wow. She, 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 she had zero um, life skills. Mm-hmm. And, so she wasn't you know, really socialized, everyday things, sounds, people, anything? No. Nothing like mm-hmm. that. Well, maybe maybe the person that ran the facility. Now, all these dogs were well fed, you know. Um, so, what kind of problems are you dealing with? That Labrador. Yeah, what kind of problems are you dealing with right now because of uh, her being a uh, in a cage her whole life? Well, for, these are things that we didn't realize. I we just wanted an older dog. We we went to our sure. local shelter. And all they had were like pit bulls, and we have a lot of grandchildren. We didn't want, you know, we didn't want anything that we couldn't trust. The Labradors are known to be good with children. So, first of all, <clears throat> she stunk. And us being farmers, we're not afraid of the smell, but it took us about two months <clears throat> to get this smell out of her coat and her skin. Hmm. Then. Um, like I said, she had no life skills. She'd never encountered steps before. So we oh, had to, like, sad. boost her up the steps and tell her it's okay. You know, it's not going to hurt you. You know, and the same thing with going down the steps. We have other dogs. 
she got along good with the other dogs, she would just follow them around because she didn't know what she was supposed to do. But also, one of the big things was she didn't chew her food like a normal dog would. She was fed on these uh, high-protein pellets. They're smaller kibbles. And she would just she she was used to just choking that stuff down, and when she encountered the lar- our our dog kibbles, which were a little bit larger, she was kind of choking on them. You know, and I mm-hmm. said to my wife, I said, you know, we got to watch out for this. Well, here she had she had picked up some one of the other dog's bones or something, and sw- tried to swallow it whole. Mm-hmm. So we had to reach down and you know extract it. These are just some of the things that, like, aside from this dog being fed every day, it it had no human contact, really. Yeah, I think that's really the tragedy that when we talk about, you know, the condition of puppy mills is, yeah, sometimes, you know, they are, um, you know, in, in waste and, and they're soiled and they're not taken care of. But there really is, I mean, dogs are social creatures and, and to live their existence in a wire cage with nothing else, it's, it's, it is a form of abuse. And, you know, I, I commend you for, for trying to make a difference, but I'd have to say any of these large scale operations where they're just a mass breeding facility, you just have to really be cautious. Um, you know, they they clearly are doing what they're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be a point where that kind of process is shut down in your area. Um, you know, there, there can be legitimate breeders, but they are definitely a totally different operation, different setup, um, socialization, health screening, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, you bring to light some very good points here, Steve, about all of those social things that they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because of the feeding practices, they, they don't eat normally. Um, they may gulp their food. Um, there may be a competition for food. I've seen some um, stories where, you know, there's bags of food opened and uh, the dogs just kind of eat at will and they fight for their food and they have to, you know, live in some really horrible conditions. So mm. feel bad for your little one there and give her a pat for us and uh, we wish her well. She's lucky to have you now. Fortunately, there's lots of legislation traveling across the country to put an end to many, many puppy mills. So we're, we're happy about that. We support that. And if you are thinking today about going to a breeder to get your pet, you know, there are People will say there are good breeders, and they probably are good breeders. But remember, there's so many animals that need homes at your local shelter. And these can be the animals that uh, of whatever breed you want. You know, you, you may say, well, I want this Lopsa Opso, and they don't have them at the shelter. You're wrong. There are rescues for Lopsa Opsos. There are rescues for almost every breed, and you can find a great animal and save a life at the same time. And put these puppy mills out of business. What yep. do you say? Yeah. Hey, and you know, one resource that I often direct people to is uh, Pet Finder. Yep. You can search rescuable uh, animals by breed. So if you have an affinity to say Weimaraners, you can find them all across the country in shelters everywhere. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio list the top household pet poisons found in most homes. March is Poison Prevention Awareness Month, and we here at Animal Radio try to share knowledge anytime we can. Many of the items that we're going to talk about can be found in most homes across the country. So take a minute or three to identify these items and see if they're in your home. And if they are, let's get them out of the reach of your beloved pets. Let's start with human and pet medications. 
Every year, there are numerous horror stories about dogs, cats, ferrets, and other quick and curious pets getting into serious health situations by ingesting human and even pet medications that are not meant for them. You should go without saying, but keep any and all medications out of the reach of your two-legged and four-legged children. Your pets can't read those tiny labels on the bottles, so they don't know the kind of danger that they're getting themselves into. Next, household cleaners. Just because it says all natural or green does not mean that it's safe for your pets. If you're looking at the label for guidance, then you need to make sure it says pet safe. There's a big difference between natural and environmentally safe and it being safe for your pets. Keep this in mind as well when you're using household chemicals to clean. Your dogs, cats, birds, heck, any pet that encounters those areas that you're cleaning can get the chemicals on their feet or other parts of their body. And when they're self-grooming, they can ingest these chemicals, which can severely harm them. And keep in mind the fumes that are also let out by these chemical cleaners. Next, rodenticides and pesticides. Your dogs and cats can be overwhelmed with curiosity. And it can lead to an accidental poisoning of your beloved pet. So be very vigilant of the traps, and at least in the case of dogs, try to place them where a dog can't reach them. One more very common pet poison potential is from the foods and alcohol that many enjoy. Alcohol is universally dangerous for our pets. Make sure you're not leaving this out where your pets can reach it. They don't know what it is, and the unique smells may make it all that much more enticing to them. And the same holds true for foods. Things like onions, candy, gum, grapes, and raisins can have severe consequences for our pets. So make sure that after you've enjoyed them, there aren't any leftovers out there where your curious pets can get to them easily. Remember that our pets trust us implicitly, and they are prone to want to explore our worlds and what we're doing. So if you're eating or drinking it, they assume that they can as well. And until we develop a pet poison warning system that pets can understand, it's our responsibility to remove and reduce the household risk to our pets. Share your ideas on how to remove and reduce household risks on our Animal Radio Facebook page. just a few minutes from Exile. Do you remember that group, Exile? If you're really old, you remember them as The Exiles. I don't remember them as The Exiles, but I do remember them as The Exiles. Big hit that they had. I want to kiss you all yes. over. Uh, yeah. over and over, over again. again. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realize what talent we had under this room. Till the night closes. That's why we're on the radio. Marlo Hargis Marlin. from the band. Marlon. I'm sorry, Marlon Hargis will be joining us. And uh, he has animals, loves the animals, and even is doing a concert for the animals. And he's on the way in just a few minutes. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. ArmorCat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. We're going to line three where we have Bob on the phone. Hey, Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys doing? 
Good. What's going on in your world? Oh, just sitting here playing on a laptop waiting for a load. Waiting for a load. So you're not sitting in the bathroom. Well, I was earlier, but not now. <laughs> not that kind of load. You're, you're you're probably OTR is what I'm thinking. And you're waiting to pick up a, a delivery, right? Well, yeah, that too. Okay. <laughs> We'll try not to disturb you there, Bob. Oh, no problem. You don't hear an echo or anything, do you? Uh, no, no. Okay. Uh, i got a question for you. How come okay. it is that you get your dog chipped, you go to a vet, the vet's never checked the chips as a, you know, when you just, just when you do an average check of the dog, when you hook the dog over and kind of give them a, you know, a glance over and, and check them out, I never bother mm-hmm. to check to see if they have a chip in them to see if the dog is wrong with the people that brought the dog in. Right. I had a dog well, stolen. I had a dog stolen a while back that had a chip. And oh. if the vet had bothered to check, he would have found out the dog was stolen. Did you ever you never got the dog back? No, we never did. Oh, goodness. I'm sorry. You know, the, the big thing and the challenge with it is that checking for a chip isn't the same thing as checking for the ownership of the chip because they're, they're different things there. So um, there are some veterinarians that have a policy of scanning each and every pet that comes to the door. Um, and it really depends on the hospital policy. Now, if they do that, they find a chip number. But that does not mean once we run that scanner over that chip, it, nothing lights up and says this pet is stolen. It just says this is the number for that pet. So in order to actually find out if that pet is stolen or lost, you have to call the microchip registration, give that number, and find the disposition of what the status of that chip is. If it's stolen, reported stolen, lost, or never registered. And I'll tell you, never registered is a huge problem with microchips. But that's another topic. So just because they check for a microchip doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily get your dog back if Joe down the road takes the dog in says, hey, this is my dog. My uncle gave it to me from Tennessee. And they check him for a microchip. And they say, yeah, yeah, we know he has a microchip. We haven't registered it yet. There's no way that veterinarian is going to play cop. And they're not going to know that that gentleman is not being honest with them. They may know there's a chip there. But there's a little bit of some um, discretion as far as, you know, what's the incidence of suspicion. So for me, what I do, every new pet that I see, puppy, kitten, adult, if it's a new pet that's to my practice, I scan them. And, you you know, I've had people where there have been some weird situations where they'll say, ah, you know, no, he doesn't have a chip. And if he has a chip and they state they've never had a chip, for me, that's a really big red flag that goes up. And I start calling um, and checking on that status of that chip. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah, it sure has. And, you know, um, it is surprising how many people, when they find an animal and they see it and maybe in, um, you know, unkept state, you know, maybe it's matted, it's got wounds on it or it looks skinny. And there's a lot of people, when they find a stray animal like that, they say, oh, whoever had that pet didn't love him. They wouldn't have allowed him to get this way. And I'll tell you, I had a cat that somebody found uh, a year prior brought it in for vaccines for me, and I scanned it. It had a microchip. We had the owners there within five minutes, and the lady who found the animal actually was contesting and saying, no, I don't want to give it back because she was running loose. Obviously, that lady didn't love her. 
So there's a lot of people that kind of have that mindset, you know, when they find a stray animal. And um, it, it can really make a problem for those um, honest people that have their pets microchipped and that want to do use the system how it's supposed to work. Um, that's really part of the problem. But, yeah, I agree with you. It would be nice if, you know, we were more thorough in not only scanning but also having some means to check on those chips to make sure that, um, you know, what the status is. But uh, whew, in a busy yeah. office day, you know, it would be hard. You'd have to have, a, you know, a deputy or someone to be checking on all those microchips to make sure that each and every well, one I, is valid. I didn't know there was a number. I have home again on my dog now, and uh, they told me that when you scan it, the name of the owner comes up. Nope, I didn't know it was incorrect. just a number. Yeah, you know, it's just a number, but, you know, there ought to be something that the companies can do if you have a microchip in a dog and your dog is lost or stolen, you should be able to report it, and they should be able to do something so when that well, chip is read that it comes up in a, an alert or something. That's a good flag. If I call home again and say, hey, my dog was gone and I can't find him, don't they, they can't put a flag on, yeah. that, on that chip so if somebody does scan it, it'll come up and say, dang, Harry's, uh, this dog's missing. Yeah, they you know, should. They can, put, they can put a flag on the information, but they can't put a flag on the chip. That's too So bad. until we have like a centralized system where, you know, when you scan a pet, it's immediately read at some central body and they can verify the information. That That isn't what we've got right now. Right now we've got a system a little bit short of that, and there's different registration companies. So th- there is a lot of uh, kind of areas where this is not foolproof. You also um, mentioned one other thing that I do want to touch upon is that once the chip is in, you also got to register it. And a lot of people just put the chip in and what, they forget to register? Yeah. And even some shelters um, that will have a chip in a pet when you adopt it, if it's not registered into the new owner's name, it'll never do any good. It only registers and brings that pet back to that shelter. Then they have to go through their records during business hours to hopefully track down the people that adopted. And hopefully the address is still the same from when they adopted to what the, whatever date that is. So there's, yeah, it's very important, immediate registration. And at our office, we put a microchip in, and before that dog or cat or ferret or potbelly pig leaves the office, we're already filling out that paperwork and it gets sent in. Oh, plus people so. move and then they don't update yeah. their microchip. Guilty. Address, yes, we yeah. we're guilty of that. We forget to update the address. Does that answer some questions for you, there, Bob? Yes, it sure does. I'm kind of curious, and I just figured I'd ask. Okay, good question. Very good question. Sorry that you didn't uh, find your dog there. That's uh, that's an unfortunate case there. How long ago uh, was I, that? Oh, uh, it's it's been several years back. I've got a purebred golden retriever now. It's really taking his place. Good, good. He's in everything, but he's he's my buddy. Okay, and he's microchipped. Oh, he's chipped. Oh, yes, ma'am. Okay. Well, we appreciate you listening, Bob, and uh, we'll let you back get back to your load there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Y'all take care. Yeah, we you will. Too. Please don't call while you're on the toilet. <laughs> Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, Subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. This is an Animal Radio News Update. 
I'm Lori Brooks. Biologists at the National Park Service have begun tracking a three-legged bobcat along with her one-eared kitten after this pair was recently discovered in Southern California. They were actually spotted by a camera in the Santa Monica Mountains, and experts say they appear to be thriving despite their handicaps. You see, bobcats have to live on the live prey that they catch, so that means mom is managing to hunt with three legs and is doing well enough to feed herself as well as her kitten. That kitten, by the way, was captured by the National Park Service and then tagged and blood tested just a few days prior to the mom getting the same treatment. Gas chambers for humans were outlawed long ago, but that is not true for animals. Only 23 states have completely banned the use of gas chambers for animals, while it is still legal to use them on animals in Kansas, Wyoming, Utah, Nevada, and Missouri. It can, did you know this, take up to 30 minutes to kill a dog in a gas chamber while an injection causes loss of consciousness in three to five seconds. The animal stars of this movement to totally ban gas chambers include a beagle whose name is Daniel. His story inspired Daniel's Law, which permanently banned the use of gas chambers in Pennsylvania. In Daniel's case, he was alive after 18 minutes in the gas chamber and somehow managed to walk out of that box. Now, Daniel now has a home in New Jersey, and he is the poster dog for 11th Hour Rescue, which is a group dedicated to saving dogs from death row in high-kill shelters. And Microsoft has launched a new application that allows you to upload a photo of yourself to determine what kind of dog you are. The Fetch app, along with WhatDog.net, uses photos to identify and classify dogs while also describing their personality and matching them with photos of humans. Here's how it works. If you want to take a photo of a dog, it'll tell you what dog breed it is. But if you take a picture of a person, there's also this fun little behind-the-scenes mode that tells you what type of dog it thinks is in that photo that the human is pictured in and tell you why it thinks that person is that certain kind of dog. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, Randy Travis here, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, and oftentimes, I will joke around about the bumper music that we play here. This is one of the songs we always play. Yeah, I will often say that, you know, Jimi Hendrix was a big fan of Snake Lover and had many cats. Ferret Lover. I speak the truth this time. Marlon Hargis is joining us from the band Exile. You just heard the song Kiss You All Over. And he is a big animal lover. And is he there? Do we have him there? I'm here. Hey. I'm here. I love, I love the music, by the way. That's perfect. Good. <laughs> well, how are you doing? What are you up to? Are you still playing? What's going on? We are. We uh, The band has been together for 53 years. Holy moly. We, we're a bunch of old guys. <laughs> but uh, but uh, we're still, uh, and re- what we refer to as the original five guys who actually played on all the records and everything through the 70s and 80s and 90s, we're... We are still together and still touring, probably do 50, 60, maybe more dates this year, and uh, 
just enjoying enjoying working and enjoying being on stage and, and lucky to still be doing it. Yeah. Well, before we get to the animals here, I wanted to touch on uh, how you got into the, being with the band because you were one of those people that you actually heard the band. It was called The Exiles, I believe. Uh, it when was. On Dick Clark. And you, you heard them in 1966 and suddenly your dream came true of being a part of the band. Yeah, I, I guess it was a dream. <laughs> Certain parts it was a nightmare, but... <laughs> we won't get into that. No, it was always, uh, it, and as you're absolutely correct, uh, I first heard uh, heard the band on what was called a day clock. They were called Caravan of Stars back then. It's where a lot of acts would tour together. Uh, I grew up, we all kind of grew up in the same part of Kentucky, and we kind of knew each other, you know, as musicians. But, yeah, I heard. The, I first heard the band then, and, and really had no idea I would ever end up in the band, but I was I was impressed by the group at the time and I thought, well that's that's pretty cool and then about oh, I guess it was five or six years later I ended up being asked to join the band. So it was uh and, you know, so many years later I'm still here. So it was it was obviously a good move. So you were actually in a club band and you took a cut and pay to join them? I did. I <laughs> I've mentioned this before. I think I, now. Remember, this is in the early seventies. Uh, I was making like four or five hundred dollars a week, and uh, when I started with Exile, we were making seventy-five dollars a week. Whoa! Um, and and believe it or not, in the early seventies, you could survive on that. <laughs> sure, uh, just, just barely. I mean, yeah. but. Uh, it was worth the pay cut. I'd say it paid off. Yeah. So now every year you do a, a benefit for homeless people and their pets called the, what is it, the Southern Alliance for the People and Animal Welfare? Is that the organization? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pronounced Safe Paw. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful organization here. I'm, I'm talking to you from Nashville, Tennessee, by the way. Okay. Um, it's here, in the, and it's a local uh, organization that actually Sonny and I, the bass player, we... we Came aware of it two or three years ago. Uh, it's it's sort of indirectly tied in with the National Rescue Mission, and uh, we were at a function, and I started talking to the lady in charge of it. And one interesting thing, and I, I must say I'd never thought about this before, is is a lot of homeless people won't go to shelters because they they can't take their pets with them. That's uh, right, which mm-hmm. is understandable, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so they they just won't go. Uh, one thing that SafePaw does is the, uh, and it's it's a small organization. There's a particular lady that runs it with a few volunteers, my wife being one of them. Uh, and they literally will go out every day, I don't care if it's zero or 100 degrees, and, and check on, uh, you know, camps and tent cities to make sure that not only the people are okay, but that their pets are okay, that they have food and they have water and that they're, you know, if they need veterinary care. Um, I will tell you a story, and this, this really just did happen Friday. I, my, say my wife, she donates, she's a great groomer, and she donates her services to the organization. And and this is a case where there's a lot of elderly people here that live in basically low-income homes. They, they don't have any extra money. And most of them have pets, and that usually the pets, is that's all they have, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was a lady, my wife said she was 94 years old, and uh, Safe Paul went and got her, it's a poodle, went and got it. I wish you could see pictures. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't quite recognize it as a dog before. And then my wife did a before and after picture, and it was just a gorgeous dog after she groomed it. 
and you can tell the animals can tell. I mean, you, you can tell <laughs> it was it was just posing and going, man, I look good. They that, feel you know. good too. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just a really wonderful kind of grassroots organization, and we uh, we do a cut. We about once a year we'll do a benefit concert and uh, an auction and and raise money. And so far we've we've been doing we've been very successful with helping them, you know, keep their their mission going. We're with Marlon Argus of Exile. Do you have any pets at home? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, uh, as I say, my wife's a groomer. Uh, we have, right now, we have two Siberian Huskies and Ooh. we have three Chihuahuas. Wow. Uh, what a contrast. And, and three cats. Uh, of course, the, you know, the cats, they kind of come and go. They're, they're, they make their own rules, but uh, we, we do. They're all lovely dogs. A couple of them are rescues. And the interesting thing is the alpha dog in the in the whole mess is one of the chihuahuas. I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, his name's Miko and he he can back down one of the huskies in a second. Oh, uh, wow. So do they sleep in bed with you? Uh the chihuahuas do. The chihuahuas do. <laughs> yeah, the, the huskies every once in a while they'll 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 try it but it, it, they're just not there for him. Yeah, well that doesn't matter for our animals. Yeah, we make it's, room. Yeah, I'm usually yeah. on the couch. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I, I usually it's, it's funny when we're sitting at home at night. I've I've used, we've we've each got a lap full of dogs. Usually, my wife and I both, and and of course the uh, the huskies they think they're lap dogs, so they'll they'll get up and join the crew every once in a while. Well, you have a whole bunch of uh, concert dates. I'm going to put them over at the website at animalradio.com. Marlon, but, we really yeah. appreciate it. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks, guys. It's my pleasure, and uh, again, appreciate all uh, all our animal loving fans out there. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Matthew Harris, a researcher at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, has discovered chickens with something extra. Teeth! Lots of teeth! Some scientists believe that ancient genetic DNA tendencies can resurface after being dormant for years. Tooth growth in birds has been researched, debated, and often ridiculed for 200 years. Harris and his partner were researching a mutant strain of chickens who rarely survive when they discovered the teeth, which look a lot like baby teeth and alligators, which happen to be birds' closest living relative. Why these particular chickens develop teeth is unknown, but Harris says it's like finding gold in a bathroom. Or finding teeth in a chicken, I guess. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in 
range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. Hi, it's Alan Cable. I just want to thank you for your calls and your emails to Animal Radio. Here's one we didn't get to during the show yet. It was from a gentleman who lives by the airport. His dog's very afraid of the sound of the airplanes. He wanted to know what he can do about that. Picture this in your mind. A 120-pound lab shepherd mix who's not afraid of anybody. He's a pretty strong-willed dog. But a thunderstorm rolls through or somebody sets off some fireworks and he wants to hide under the table. Scared as a mouse. The good news is with time and patience, you can desensitize your dog and it all starts with you. Being a calm and confident pack leader. Two nights ago, we had a major thunderstorm barrel through here at about 1 o'clock in the morning. I can always tell if it's happening. Even if I can't hear it, I hear the click-clack of paws coming down the hallway. (laughs) He's not supposed to come down there. The first thing is, even though he's breaking the rules, you can't get mad at him because he's scared. You don't want to punish him for being afraid. He can't help it. So I took my dog outside on a leash and I just stood there, all mellow, calm, and relaxed. Pretty much not paying any attention to him until he laid down. Then I pet him. After about 30 minutes of that, I brought him inside. I still knew he wouldn't stay in the kitchen where he's supposed to. So I stood there side by side with him too. And after about 20 minutes, he laid down. I told him what a good dog he was, pet him. And then I always say, good dogs always get a treat. Yeah, I say it like that. So I mixed an egg in with his dog food. The storm was still going on, but he kind of got distracted by the dog food. And he got rewarded for staying calm during it. Plus, my calm energy told him there was nothing to really worry about. After he was done eating, I told him he was a good dog, stay, and went back to bed. If he hadn't have stayed, I'd have come out and done it again. You know, it takes patience. And this is only the second time I've worked with him through a thunderstorm. But he stayed put, thunder, lightning, and all. Remember, dogs feed off your energy. If you're a nervous wreck, your dog's going to think there's something to be nervous about. And if you're calm, that energy rubs off too. So remember, be calm, be patient, and be persistent. And you can teach your dog there's nothing to be afraid of. Animal Radio, and for those familiar with Animal Radio, know that this can only mean one thing. The dog father, Joey Volani, is gracing our presence. How are you doing? Hold on, let me kiss your ring. Uh, there. there. Look, give yeah. me a paper towel, yeah, someone, I'm sorry. please. I, I always get a little <laughs> yeah. wet when I do that. Paper towel, you need a I, I, big Are you part, are you part bulldog? Towel. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Okay. So, um, I had, a, you know, I got a really good question from a listener in, um, I think it says Millville, Pennsylvania. Um, but, um, what she's asking, she said skunks are definitely a big problem in her area, but not as bad as she apparently lives on 150 acres in Pennsylvania. Aww. And, um, so she has two Burmese mountain dog mixes. But anyway, the problem is, is they're rolling around in carcasses. Um, anything that they find dead, they want to get that smell on them. And it's, yeah. And you know what? With dogs, that's, you know, that's what they do. Unfortunately, when you have a dog that's probably over 150 pounds and has as much coat that'll take, um, until summer to dry, unless you have the proper equipment, um, it's a hard process, um, as far as bathing goes. And she's made that very clear to me that what else can we do here well organic odors are actually pretty easy even though they probably smell worse than anything else skunks but it really skunks are easy 
skunks are yeah you know what it's not it's listen the whole thing is is the process is 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 a little bit of a pain in the neck you have to follow it to a t but it's not hard okay it's not hard um but um any organic odor really i mean you can get rid of it quickly now this is just for that dead carcass smell this isn't for skunks it will work but it's not going to work as good as some of my other remedies for skunk <laughs> what you're going to do it's it's, it's real easy um, how's laughing already well just that you're you know it's specific for the dead carcass smell i mean well it is it okay. is okay. And, Go on. and it makes it yeah, makes okay. it so get yourself a gallon get yourself a gallon of water okay okay i don't care if it's tap water i don't care what kind of water you use if you could use distilled water it's always best but get yourself a gallon of water and you're going to add a quarter of a cup of antibacterial dish detergent, okay? And I'm going to explain why in a second. And then you're going to add a cup of white vinegar to is, it. Is that like Dawn when you say anti... Dawn, yeah, but, okay. but antibacterial. Okay. Um, that, that's the important thing. The reason why we say antibacterial is, number one, if the dogs are rolling around in other dead animals... Um, who knows what kind of bacteria they're picking up, and, and you don't want to spread it. So this sure. is going to actually help kill kill that. The white vinegar is going to destroy the odor almost completely. Now, you're going to spray it on your dog and get it on pretty good. I mean, a little bit less than saturating, but more than just damp. Work it in with a brush and then towel it off. Now, if it feels a little bit soapy, it's okay. It's biodegradable. It's not going to hurt your pet, especially for the amount of times that you're going to use it. If I did this every single day, I'd be a little bit worried. If your dogs are rolling in it every day, well, you know what? You got a problem. Go out and clean up your go out and clean up your property a little bit. What other radio show will help you get rid of that carcass smell? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you. Did you did, before you really? before you uh, make a big joke out of it because you live here in California? Yes. Um, did you ever experience that? No. Well, well, Ladybug does. She rolls her little neck and maybe like a dead snail in the street or something yeah, like that. Yeah, snail but is it's, about as bad as it gets. And it's just a little bit. She doesn't. I don't let her get her full body, so I can just kind of, you know, wipe off her neck. So no, my dogs <laughs> used to do it in in with squirrels and birds, oh. and they would come in and it would. I mean, it stinks. It's 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 a putrid smell. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about the suburbs of of Manhattan now, so wow. this happens quite often. Well, we have a lot of birds of prey around here, I guess, and they, there's not a lot of dead carcasses that last very long for the dogs. But there is here. a lot in New York, a lot of dead carcasses in New York. Yeah, they are. Thank you so much, Joey Volani, ladies and gentlemen. Shall we? Uh, do I? Can I kiss your ring just one more time? Just, I mean, I think we. Go should. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, there you go. Tastes. Okay, I got the cleanup. Yeah, that was jam-packed. You jam-packed it. It was. You couldn't get any more in that show there. Thank you so much for the wonderful job you did. And uh, for Marlon Hargis, thanks for coming on. Lindsay Polachek and all of you for calling in and asking your question. Don't forget, if you need your fix during the week, you can head on over to AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.